And today I want to talk to you about Goo, Gog, and Eok. Goo, Gog, and Eok. And uh, if you're not sure what I'm saying, well, we're coming on to the chapter on the gift of tongues in a few times, so it might make sense by then. But actually, they're a- a- acronyms for Goo, the good of others, Gog, the glory of God, and Eok, the example of Christ. Summing up this passage, so there you go. I thought that was a more humorous introduction than it obviously was. <laughs> Hopefully it'll get better from here on. There you go. Let's, let's pray. <laughs> Father God, thank you so much for the scriptures, and we pray that you will bless us and speak to us through the word of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. What a good of others, the glory of God, and the example of Christ. Why, why are these things so important in this passage and what do they mean? The, the situation that's been set up is a situation where people are saying, what am I allowed to do and what can I not do as a Christian? And actually, as soon as you start asking that question, you're on a slippery slope away from following Jesus, aren't you? I'm old enough to remember being on youth camps where we had sex talks. And in the sex talks, There was always a question from the floor, and it was basically, how far am I allowed to go with the girlfriend or boyfriend that I've recently acquired on the camp that I'm away on, that my parents have sent me off on? Uh, How far are we allowed to go? And uh, the worst of these talks would outline a series of uh, what Americans would call first base, second base, third base sort of situations, and you'd try and decide which one was permissible under the law of being a good Christian on a crusader camp or something. As soon as you start asking what the law is, you've slipped away from an incredible thing, which is freedom. And freedom sets you free from the law. And it's one of Paul's huge things that he teaches, and we saw it again and again in Romans, where this this is an echo of the teaching that we've looked at in more detail in Romans. And Paul has been going along to them saying, look, everything's permissible in Christ. You are free in Christ. There's no longer Jews and Gentiles in Christ. You don't need to have an operation eight days after you're born if you're a boy anymore and lose a bit of your male organ (laughs) in Christ. You're free. You can eat food that is banned in the Old Testament. You're free. Everything has become permissible in Christ. And you can imagine people having latched onto that sermon, um, because that sermon was, you know, the take-home sermon from the conference, especially if you've gone a little bit off in your Christian journey. Paul said, everything's permissible, (laughs) mum. So I'm going to be stroppy in the corner. Paul said, everything's permissible, so I'm not going to give any money. (laughs) It's mine. And it's sort of the freedom can justify an extravagance of awful behavior, which takes you far away from the whole point in the first place. And the point in the first place was the good of others, the glory of God, and the example of Jesus Christ. Because these are the things that lead us into life in its fullness. Selfish I want it my way and I want it now, is the stuff of a toddler. Maturity is the stuff of giving uh, to others for the glory of God, following the example of Jesus. So they've been quoting at him, we imagine, everything's permissible. 
And the response from this sort of reluctant parent figure is, yes, but it's not all beneficial, is it? You know. Yes, so you were allowed to stay out late at that party. But did you have a headache in the morning? (laughs) Did your homework get done? Did it actually stack up as being a fantastic experience in your life? Or was it actually, when you think back on it, not really as good as you thought it was at the time? I gave you more freedom, and what did you make of it? A right mess. Not everything's permissible. Everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial, nor is it necessarily constructive. I want it all. I want it my way. It doesn't build people up. It doesn't build those around you up. It doesn't build you up. Apparently, someone won £120 million in the Euro lottery yesterday. Um, Jan was bemoaning that she didn't win because uh, she was going to pay for the uh, St. Albans development in one foul swoop. Uh, but then was also making the point that who can actually cope with that amount of money? <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? But many examples through history of people not coping with that sort of money, dying young, getting coke addictions, all sorts of things. <laughs> They've had an excess of wealth come their way. Not everything that we might think of being brilliant is ultimately constructive, builds us up, builds others up. So 24, verse 24 says, nobody should seek their own good, but the good of others. And the presenting issue that he's dealing with here is this one of the meat market that we've looked at already. And in the meat market, people would bring, bring meat, which would have been a much rarer treat in those, in those days. And the animals would have been slaughtered in front of a, a god in a temple. And the question then is, as a Christian, can we eat this food that's been slaughtered with someone saying an incantation over it uh, to the god of war or the god of love or the god of whatever? Um, Can we eat that food? And Paul's like, basically, um, yeah, because they're nothing. (laughs) These things are nothing. Unless, as we saw last week, unless you give them worth. So if you have gone to the temple and you believe that those demons are big, bad, powerful compared to what you've got, and you're eating it sort of to appease these demons or to appease your neighbor who's taken you there, then at that point you're bringing a judgment in on yourself because you're going against your faith. But if you're like, actually, I'm free of all this stuff. It used to bind me, but now I'm free. Then you can, you can walk in freedom from it. Um, uh, and uh, and that's, that's how those middle paragraphs pan out from verse 25 through verse 30. He finishes by saying, why should I be judged uh, for my freedom by someone else's conscience? If I take part in a meal with thankfulness, why can I be denounced because of something I thank God for? So that, that's our basic freedom. We're free to do things that previously we might not have been free to do. Um, but if we want to grow up in Jesus, we have to ask, is it, is it doing me any good? Is it constructive? And is it beneficial? And there's a bit of nostalgia in us, isn't there, at this point? Because wasn't it quite nice when you were quite a little kid and everything was very simple? And someone said to you, don't do this, don't do that. If you don't get your homework done before you go to school, you're going to be in trouble if you don't take your pat lunch, you're not going to have any food with you. 
wasn't it quite nice to be an infant where someone else took all the responsibility? But as we grow up, we, we grow away from that. And we have the freedom of, of an adult as a believer as well as, uh, as a human being. And we have to make the decisions for ourselves if we're going to follow Jesus. We have to be converted to him again and again and again. And what happens in our heart then has to outplay our practices. What happens if you make your practices try and rule your heart is that that sometimes works for a time. But over time, you get a sort of a cold legalistic thing going in. So I'm a Christian, I'll not go to a dance. I'm a Christian, I won't drink. I'm a Christian, I won't do this, that or the other doesn't always bring life to people. Sometimes it sort of shuts them down into this quite judgmental, cold character. And if they see someone else going to the dance or having a drink or whatever, they'd be like, my horrible little brother's doing it again, the prodigal. And a horrible sort of pharisaical attitude can come from having the head first and the heart second. The Christian gospel is saying, "Could, could you be converted in your heart? So you know that everything's yours, but so converted that you don't long for things that Jesus isn't wanting for you, so that your will and God's will are getting fused. So what you're thinking about is the goo, the gog, and the eoch, the glory of God, the good of others, the example of Christ. And you're living out a life constrained by these wonderful rules that aren't hard and fast, legalistic, do this or don't do that, but yet give you a compass to your life that sets you free from just mere rules and makes your joy and benefit to other people around you. So the example of the youth talk I was referring to earlier, not seeking your own good, but the good of others. Thinking about that girl you've run off into the shed with, (laughs) And what's going to happen to her if you get to fourth base? <laughs> or what it'll be like for her to carry that through her life if she's felt violated by you. Thinking about the glory of God. Is my action right now causing people to praise God? Or is it causing people to think I'm just the same as everyone around me? Am I following the example of Jesus who laid down his life for his friends, who left his rights behind and was free. Do you see? You just sort of ask these questions. Is it the example of Christ? Is it for the glory of God? Is it for the good of others? And then you say, actually, sometimes following you is tough, Jesus. Um, And I'm free to do whatever I like. And I thank you that you've set me free to do whatever I like. But actually, although it's tough, it was tough for you. And I want to choose to go your way as well. And so I say no to the second bottle of wine, or I say no to the gossiping, or I say no to the excessive use of social media, or I say no to thinking that my money is my own money and not his money. And I start to think, what would it take for my life to be as reflective of the glory of God as possible? For people to look and go, cool, she's really following Jesus. There's something in her that is always looking out for other people and not for herself. 
and then finding in those three rules an incredible liberty and freedom. Paul sums it up by saying, I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That'd be a lovely thing, wouldn't it? If today, in this place, increasingly, we follow the example of Jesus, which is the example of the leaders who have gone before us, so that many, many people can be saved. Because they look at us and go, wow, there's something different about you. For you, it's not all about you and what you can get out of everything. (laughs) You're living for others. You're living for God. And you're following an incredible example. And that's attractive. I'd like that too. Show me how to do it. I want to be free like you. I've spent my life trying to be free by not keeping rules, going my own way, putting myself first. But when I look at you, who keeps within the boundaries of these three rules, the good of others, the glory of God, and the example of Jesus, you're far freer than I've ever been through all my expansivity and wasteful life. May God bless us and truly set us free through what Jesus has done for us and through our own choices in his precious name. Amen.